This is James Fox, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. I'd like to thank Soundstripe for sponsoring this episode. When I first started the podcast, I cringe listening back and hearing the techno version of the X-Files music that I used to use. Yes, that actually did happen, but as a new podcaster, I didn't really know what I was doing. It's a lot to take in. How do I make sure I don't infringe on copyright? Where do I get good quality tracks? There are a lot of questions. That's why you should take some of the hassle out of your creating, whether it's podcasts, YouTube, TikTok, or Twitch streaming, and use Soundstripe. Soundstripe has a huge library of over 8,000 songs composed by Grammy award-winning artists. All the music is royalty-free, so you don't need to worry about copyright claims against your channel. There's a plan for everyone starting from only $9.99 a month. So, check out Soundstripe today. Use my special link zen.ai forward slash UFO sound to access unlimited royalty-free music for your content and be sure to use my promo code podcast at checkout to save 10% off any subscription plan. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and this is your long-awaited, long-overdue, delete-as-applicable review of Moment of Contact, director James Fox's latest piece. Uh, Joining me for this review is Dan. Welcome. Howdy, howdy. You've had a copy of this for a while, Dan, as have I, um, and we've, we've sat on it. Um, I've watched it again just this morning and uh, we've made some notes and we're going to talk about Moment of Contact. It's been large, it's been hyped up, not by necessarily James Fox, but others about the event, the incident, and it's it's come into real prominence. Um, We've got James Fox on the podcast on the 31st of October. It'll be released, but it'll be available um, over the weekend and the next couple of days, early access as well, once that's done, folks. So be sure to check that out. Thanks to everyone who's sent over questions as well. James is obviously doing the media rounds at the moment. So as always, do my best to make sure it's a little bit different to what you've heard elsewhere. Moment of contact. Uh, his follow-up piece kind of to The Phenomenon because there is going to be a The Phenomenon 2 so this isn't necessarily a sequel but it's the next piece that's came out is distributed by 1091 Pictures and James Fox's own CE3 Productions it was released on the 18th of October on streaming platforms including iTunes Amazon, Vimeo etc the link will be in the description for the pod for you to pick that up as well it's a, a genie.ius link with everything in there so you can you can pick your platform The production itself starts with a blurb on the screen, Dan. In January of 1996, North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, warns Brazilian authorities their radar has picked up UFO activity near Virginia, Brazil. And look for how many different ways we pronounce Virginia, trying not to say (laughs) the wrong word, as others have done. Uh, We just say Brazil. (laughs) Yeah, in Brazil, yeah, in Brazil. Now, this is an incident which apparently has almost everything you would look for in a ufo event if you think of roswell being the stereotypical ufo crash and what happened in the story and the myth and the lore it's got the crash it's got live beings being captured dead beings witness accounts cover-ups videos pictures u.s confiscation of materials and bodies and now potentially we'll get into later on 26 years later even more may be revealed as yet so it's very much the modern day Roswell in in almost every way, shape, or form. Just that the witnesses are alive, the the people who were involved are all almost all still alive um, and able to speak, or other ones who want to speak about it anyway. Did you know much about this incident beforehand? Before it kind of got talked I knew, about, and... yeah, I knew a little bit, um, but it was mostly because when James announced the film and he said about the case, you know, a number of us just scattered like mice to go research it and figure out what happened. And yeah, it's, it's a it's a really interesting case. I can see why this has kind of sat under James's skin for well, almost probably a decade or so now. Uh, I think he said somewhere it was since the mid nineties he he's wanted to to make this. So yeah, that's a long time, and I I can see why it sat there. You know, in this you can really see James digging and, and investigating to to figure this out. So we see some famous names kick it off, like Stanton Friedman, John Mack, and others, including AJ Javard, who is coming on the podcast in November as well. Thanks to Ronnie Vernet for getting that one sorted out for us. So if you want to send over any questions for AJ, he will be very well placed to discuss this and other Brazilian cases. And I think it could be really good timing if we're hearing that imminently 
there may be more developments to come on this case particularly so get those questions over for a brazilian ufo investigator and researcher a true expert and and just to say like the the rumblings are that they're supposedly maybe going to be a new york times story that depending on who you listen to it's either in the can or they're not going to push it until they get a little bit more on the witness front and stuff like that uh, but rumors are rumors so take it with a pinch of salt until you see it on the front page of the new york times it hasn't happened we'll finish off with some chatter on that because you're right there's a lot of rumors and it's very hard to substantiate those at the moment as yes. well. And some people may be putting two and two together and getting 12, but they might be getting yeah. four. Don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, there's a nice recap to kick off the documentary about other famous Brazilian UFO cases, showing you things have happened there from 1957 through to Virginia and beyond. South that, America. That was a nice moment. There were, there were a number of cases there that, like, did, were you familiar with all those cases? Yeah, Calares and stuff like that. I remember Ronnie Vernet, I think, mentioned pretty much all of those when, when we spoke a while back on the podcast as well. Um, talk about the large craft going through the village, things like that. It was Yeah, it was really uh, familiar from that point on, not necessarily too familiar other than Calares before that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think about the same, you know, the night of the UFOs, there's that official government page and things like that. Brazil is certainly a lot more amenable to conversation. In some ways, I guess, this film proves that they're not in others. <laughs> Yeah, and to be fair, um, I've got down Brazil and South America, but Brazil particularly is is a real hotspot for UFO activity. And we've mentioned before that maybe just the South American way in terms of their religion and what they believe and, and the different types of religion, that they are more open to this kind of phenomenon or any type of phenomenon, whether it be spiritual, paranormal, or what you want to call it. Um, I think, especially with some of those cases and what comes out, you notice those older photos again. And again, when you go back to even the 50s and you see some of those disc-shaped objects, not that it was impossible, but it's kind of harder to fake those photos and make them look genuine. Um, and if it's a case of, you know, tech now, we're, we're sort of ruined in 2022, that it's very easy to say, oh, it's a drone. Yeah, it's top secret military tech. No governments, I would hasten to say, had any flying saucer type technology back in the 50s. And the only way to kind of have that conversation is to get proper knuckle deep in conspiracy territory and go around Nazis having flying saucers and stuff like that, which if they did, the war outcome would have been very different, I'm sure, as well. So, Yeah, th- this is the era where Nick uh, Nick Cook talks about it, doesn't he? Hunter mm. Zero Point, uh, where basically during that era, the 50s, a lot of different labs were looking at things like anti-gravity, and then come 1960, they've all gone completely quiet on it. So even if we were going the conspiracy route and saying, oh yeah, they have anti-gravity, that's the decade where they developed it. You know, they're not, they're not flying around these really svelte drones and flying saucers while they're developing this, you know? Yeah, it's so it's one of those where I think the old photos are fascinating and I'd love to see if we do get to it, and I keep saying we'll get to it at the end, a video from the mid-90s of potentially the being that we're going to talk about as well. So that could be really interesting. We get to see an interview with Carlos de Souza, who was the, the only witness to the craft crashing at the time. And he describes uh, a washing machine-like struggle of the craft to keep altitude and drop and then turn around and, and go back. And eventually it comes down in a, in a clearing um, I liked how James Fox approached to speaking to the residents of Virginia now with the, the signs in the street just before we go back to Carlos by the way you know when he was standing with literally if you know what happened in Virginia 1996 with the UFO come speak to us sure. and they literally stood in street corners hoping passers-by would, would come so that was a nice uh, a nice take Is all the that... snippets I was going to say just quickly all sure. the snippets seemed very positive and happy to talk but that can very much be at the mercy of editing or selective clips, so we'll, we'll take that at face value. Um, <laughs> but the city has very much, you mentioned, Dan, embraced the case and the UFO stuff with the museum. There's other monuments shaped like flying saucers. And is, is there an argument, just for those who lean on the more sceptical side of things, that it's similar to how Loch Ness really embraces the monster because it's really good for tourism? Yeah, you, there's certainly an element of that, isn't there? You, you know, that's the that's the story that the town will be known for. Uh, when people kind of go, they would go to see all of these different places and learn about the the crash. Imagine if Phoenix Lights did this, though. You know, Five Simon mm. instead of kind of that cheesy approach. If there was a museum and there was, you know, it's kind of like the the little seal of approval, that kind of preponderance of evidence. You, you know, where where this smoke, this fire. I guess people would say. Like something definitely happened. What that was, that's what's being investigated, you know? 
yeah, speaking of smoke and fire, uh, back to Carlos D'Souza, who, who who only gave his original interview at the time to, to a news channel. And this was his only second interview on the Virginia case and what he saw with, with James Fox some 26 years later. Um, what did you think of Carlos talking about it? I thought he was very emotional, you know, trying to find that place. It's, it's not as easy. 26 years pass and trees have moved and he was trying to find a house and yeah, there's a house there, but it wasn't that one. And uh, eventually he finds the patch, doesn't he? And you see it kind of clicks with him and he gets very emotional about what went on and what he saw. It's that human emotion that for me really hooks me into the story. Uh, you, you know, how much the experience affected the person and kind of over the years, you, you know, we, we have a number of witnesses throughout this film that talk about the stigma affecting their lives, you, you know, friends and family kind of teasing them about things. And it's, it's that that I kind of felt was pouring out, you know, when somebody went and they were listening to Carlos tell his story and they weren't judging mm. him for it. And they were just saying, show us what happened, show us where it was, you know, they weren't kind of rolling their eyes and going, ah, you don't know where it is, do you yada, yada. Um, you, you know, James was patient, the crew was patient. They found the spot. They got some amazing testimony. And yeah, that that emotional reaction is really, really palpable. We see a clip of the mayor of Virginia talking about the event. And he very honestly says, you know, I never saw the event myself when it happened. But for him, the strength of the testimony of, you know, his, his citizens and those around have convinced him it's real and it happened. He knows family members. His, was it his son's girlfriend at the time or his nephew's girlfriend? was was a witness to the lights and so that's enough for him and he's heard enough about it that yeah this happened because enough people and why would they make it up why would they lie but i think it's fair to say that for some throughout this documentary where testimony maybe isn't enough they'll see a lack of evidence for this happening and it is it, it weighs heavy on the strength of the testimony the emotion of the testimony the the kind of honesty and in the face value of what these people are talking about. Um, and that's what makes it really interesting that if we are going to get follow-up evidence, that could be huge. And it would be the 35 second video coming out would make this documentary, the additional piece to that 35 second video. It would, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> which is, which is very strange um, because it would be, Oh my God, look at that. We have to go now watch this as opposed to a documentary building up to the release of, of something. Um, Carlos, he uses a branch to do to describe what he saw. Uh, I like that, you know, just a log, and he's literally going, it was coming across the sky, and it was like this, and then do-do-do-do, and it turned, and it crashes down. And I think at this point, I noticed where other documentaries that we have maybe been less kind about, because I think we're going to be pretty positive on this one, um, use really poor CGI, and I get those budget constraints and stuff, but I think sometimes less is more. So leaving out really awkward CGI recreations is better even you kind of see that stuff in, in ancient aliens or maybe not skinwalker ranch but those types of history channel shows or even kind of lesser made documentaries on ufos and it just makes it look cheap and i think it was really powerful to use him using the log but also then the short anime style animation that was very quick to show you the military officials and what it looked see, like the, and the animations didn't do it for me did you like, not they, like those? They, they felt like sketches of something that was to be made and we we have someone in our the the discord um who made a, a you know a 3d animation of the the creature encounter and it looks amazing it's a really good way of kind of showing that that encounter but yeah i i missed the in the phenomenon james had some really great cgi recreations that weren't overly done they weren't cheesy you know they were they were mostly silent and i think i would have preferred something like that but it's a small nitpick you know it, it's uh it, i think it's, budget though james always said this wasn't going to be as big 100%. as the phenomenon in terms of you know what even maybe potential the output from it and and the the audience maybe for it as well as to what a phenomenon two might have which is, yeah, could yeah. be right or wrong and that's the eye of the beholder um but no I, I was i was quite happy with that and even that wasn't interspliced throughout the whole thing there was very very little in terms of yeah here's what it might have looked like it's just down to the strength of the talking about it which which i quite liked i was i was quite happy with that um carlos talks about the object uh, and the grass being burned around the object object almost by like a chemical substance and you don't normally associate ufos alien spacecraft which is essentially what we're talking about here with with chemicals do you are hearing that usually it's just like nuts and bolts memory metal but nothing yeah. leaking out of it and burning I, an area in in 
there are some cases where we've had like the the exhaust causing burn marks on people or the ground or you know the weight causing compression of the ground but yeah never never that kind of chemical reaction there and that's something that carries throughout this with the beings as well you know there are chemicals present that interact with our environment and don't do so in a nice way did that make you lean towards it being more terrestrial of an explanation um not necessarily just because the the way i think of stuff like that is that a life form for, for that to be normal for them they would have had to develop in a very, very different environment to us. And sure, you know, that could be a, a cave or something like that. Um, but I, I would posit that, yeah, that life form has developed in a very different environment. And that's why those chemicals were, were so persistent throughout this case and, and on their bodies and things like that. Yeah, a, a very emotional Carlos. He finds that spot. It's taken him, you know, 26 years to go back. He talks about what he saw, very powerful emotion for, for him, very powerful memory. He said, you know, beings died here. Um, and I'm going to come back to the, the beings talk because a listener got in touch today with me um, about stuff that she wasn't necessarily happy with around it. And I actually had a point on this already, maybe not as emotively as she made to me, but I'm going to bring it up and I'm going to bring it up with James as well, because I think it's it's very fair. Um, but we hear about the familiar aluminium memory type metal we know from Roswell. You know, it was like a kind of very similar bow, bow type shape. It, crumpled in went back out um which is yep cool it ticks the box um at this point i think i realized you know oh it's really beautifully shot i like the use of the drones for cameras uh if whether it's james or or the crew he's got they they use them very well especially that brazilian scenery it's stunning and i think if nothing else the documentary was always going to look polished and nice and, and they've accomplished that throughout dan you're more of the tv documentary type guy than me given your background like, what did you think yeah yeah that, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean you're not wrong like i thought it was really well shot it was really well produced you know technically it's a really well put together documentary and i don't think people can fault on that front at all um i just wanted to touch on because I, I feel like we're going to move past carlos in a second um how he described it as a washing machine i thought that was really interesting that kind of washing machine motion because we and i'll touch on nick cook again the idea is that uh, they they needed to come up with a technology that would spin gyros, like it build a gyro basically and, and spin it at a high speed. <clears throat> and that through doing that, they found that the mass of the object was was reduced. So it was getting lighter, essentially. And and there's been some research over the years that suggests that you you know, through spinning gyros in certain directions at certain speeds, you can reduce the weight of certain things. Um, you know, Tom DeLong talked about it essentially with with the terahertz and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh but if you imagine like a, a malfunctioning gyro, like a ball bearing, you you would get a kind of washing machine movement, and and that was a really curious detail. I just wanted to bring up because yeah, that that makes sense according to all like these puzzle pieces that we've been given in certain areas. Yeah, uh, and we get to some more witnesses. There there are three sisters, uh, um, Valkyria, Liliana, and Katya. Um, they were teenagers, teenagers, young teenagers at the time. Now, obviously, grown women. Twenty six years has passed. Um, who say they saw one of the creatures the night after the crash? Uh, James and his team take them back to the exact patch where they saw the creature, who they say was cowering against a wall. If you're on any form of social media now, you've probably saw the artist impressions, and some people have recreated those in different ways, shapes, and forms, which are really cool as well. And they say it was it was scared as it was as scared of them as they were of it. Um, thinking to the Brazilian UFO footage from the movie Signs we've talked about a few times yeah. and people bring that up big confident looking Abe's Odyssey type creature walks out in front of a, a birthday camera <laughs> whereas this was like cowering it, it was scared and, and the artist's impressions from it, it seemed to capture that the the witnesses, the three girls or women now are all very very serious when they talk about it there's no laughing there's no smiles it's not light-hearted for them it was pretty serious and um, almost uncomfortable they talk about the sad expression and this is something i've seen a lot of folks comment about online about the the empathy they felt for the creature's predicament so Same. on that talking about what the, the listener got in touch with me about and something I've got, I've got in here it made me think about ryan sprigg you know, shout out, hi, Ryan, wrote a book <laughs> on the human element that's often overlooked in UFO cases and how when something like this happens, people forget, you know, a Kevin Day, I think is probably the big example from Ryan's book, how it affected him and his emotional well-being and mental state over the years and the ridicule and how he was treated. Uh, and people were saying that's that's often just forgotten about. But what we tend to then overlook is the non-human entity side of things. 
and you've got to obviously assume that that is what happened and that's what this being was that this thing was terrified from somewhere or at least an environment it's not familiar with and shouldn't be and the listener who got in touch made the point they felt that was sort of lacking in James's approach here and I wonder what you think about that that there seems to be a lack of sympathy for this kind of alien creature that was in a very literal alien place and there's a lack of kind of empathy or sympathy towards that sort of predicament yeah, that, that's interesting because I, I picked up on that as well. The the note that I made was basically that they keep calling it a creature and instead of a being or an entity, you know, they, there's more kind of, we, we like to discern between things that have free will and things that don't, you know, we, we think of animals as not really having it in the same way as we do. And yeah, being faced with a creature that might have as much an inner life as we do to call it a creature repeatedly and, and you know, it, it felt there, there was lip service paid towards it, and it was mostly the locals calling it a creature. And, and you know, I think James did mention at one point, you, you know, that he must have felt really bad. Uh, but yeah, it's a really intriguing spot where they could have maybe brought in an anthropologist or something like that to just talk about, you know, what kind of being would be able to feel that kind of feeling, <clears throat> and as well the kind of the telepathic angle. The very often we hear in these encounters that the beings will put out a kind of not a warning but a telepathic message to kind of say this is how i feel and i'm trying to communicate it to you and there probably could have been a little conversation around that when it came to the being but I've, i felt pretty bad for it um i can only imagine if we sent a ship to another planet to, to look at a civilization and our people got stuck there how they would feel being in a completely alien environment being hunted essentially but it was really curious to me that there's kind of a, a gap of missing time, right? Where that the crash happened and then the being was found. And there's about, I think there was about five days to a week there where it would have just been around. And, and that for me would be a, a gap that I would like filled. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it was a really good point. So I'll, I wouldn't mention her name because she's not said whether I should or shouldn't use it. So I'll leave that one out for now. Um, but thanks for, for mentioning we'll that to me. We'll put a picture up on screen. Yeah, yeah, full picture. <laughs> Address, everything. Yeah. Um, this You mentioned the smell before. Um, is that something that is discussed often in the documentary, a sort of ammonia sulfur type smell? And that made me straight away just personally think about talking about demonic entities. Yes. You know, we've got a lot of Catholic families here. They mention the, you know, Catholicism and that religion. Um, and we discuss these, these beings being, you know, labeled as such throughout time whether it was angels, demons, all that kind of stuff. And it made me think, yeah, sure, especially if one of these these beings was around back in 2,000 years ago and you hear about ammonia, sulfur, that type of smell being associated with hell, the devil, and you see Red something that looks... Well. Yeah, something looks devilish, <laughs> doesn't it? Like, kind of, I, I suppose you would say it looks kind of evil, almost, just because yeah. of interpretations over the years. Um, yeah, it's, it fits that, that those kind of the... biblical stories. I forget, is it Childhood End? It's an Arthur C. Clarke book where where literally an alien species comes to Earth and they kind of, they try and interact with us and influence us without showing themselves to us because they look like Satan. And people just aren't ready for that imagery because of how they hold it, you know? And they're good guys. They, they ultimately, you know, help us out and bring us medical technology to help us and so on and so forth. But yeah, they try not to show themselves because people are terrified of them because they look like these big red devils. And and that's what this reminded me of. Yeah, I'm going to move on to talk about Marco Cherezi, who was the police officer. Have you got anything before that? No, no, we can. Uh, we can I think that it. was kind of the next part anyway, wasn't it, in the documentary? Yeah. I'm not going to talk through the documentary word for word. People should really go and watch it. Um, but Marco Cherezi was the police officer who apparently captured the being with his bare hands after it ran out in front of his car. It's no a very short kind of yeah courtroom sketch. Um, you you mentioned again that the smell was there. There was a greasy, sticky sensation to the being. Um, he basically gra- grapples it, throws it in the car, and you know takes it away, captures this being. Marco Cherezi died eventually, didn't he, of an infection he developed, which apparently developed and grew more and more in the weeks after having captured this being. So there's the association that. The, the contact, the skin to skin or whatever it may have been, was enough to, to cause that probably indirect, might have been a direct response, like a defense mechanism. It could have been, you know, just the fact that this, we hear about, don't we, coming into contact with these objects or craft, you know, just by their very nature are harmful to us as, as human beings and yeah. could have been completely innocent, but just a byproduct of that contact. Yeah, what do absolutely. you kind of think in terms of that? The, the mention in the film, I think they, they described it as his immune system just shut down. 
Mm. And again, not not the first case we've heard that with UFO stuff. And even kind of referencing COVID, you know, living through that, we we know that people are more susceptible with their immune systems or they're not. Uh, so it sounds logical as a thing that would happen that if, you know, you touched a foreign substance that wasn't, you know, kind of in a war of the worldsy type way, you'd never kind of encountered it before, that your immune system just gets overwhelmed and shuts down and it just cannot cope with it. They say that there was an unknown substance that wasn't, you know, on the report. So I, I would love for someone like Gary Nolan or someone that Gary knows to have a look at this guy's blood. And I'm sure there's a toxicology report that they can look into and, and get a bit more information out of. Babbel is one of today's sponsors and they are the best way for you to begin to learn a new language. Immersing yourself in the language of your choice from day one through a whole range of learning styles including podcasts, games and online classes. It's available on desktop or through their app. Babbel's courses are created by didactics experts and focus on real life situations. So if you're holidaying in France and spot a UFO, you can get locals' attention quickly and efficiently. The lessons are as short as 15 minutes and fit into any schedule and can be downloaded to work on offline while on the go. With the help of everyday dialogue exercises and the speech recognition software, learners can practice their pronunciation and regular vocabulary repetition ensures that what is learned is memorised over the long term. I can already hear some of you listeners getting in touch to tell me I should really learn English given my dodgy accent. When you buy a six-month subscription to Babbel, you receive six months extra for free by using the code zen.ai forward slash UFO Babbel. That's U-F-O-B-A-B-B-E-L. Pay for six months and learn for a whole year. Get info and redeem the code at babbel.com forward slash audio. Folks, today is the day you finally decide to make a life-changing decision and learn that new language. Absolutely. Um, so we've heard various researchers and authors say that various incidents in the past could be put down to horrendous experiments being, you know, performed uh, on or causing deformities with human beings. I know we've had guests on who've talked about, you know, Roswell was de- deformed humans and experiments had been done, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which that, that stuff has gone on in the past, like horrendous things that have happened throughout human history. And hearing about chemical burns, strange disease, a strange-looking humanoid being creature, the different smells that we can sort of identify, is there more of an argument there for this case being something that was potentially, and I sort of asked you this before, but putting all that together, more human than not, that there could have been an element of this being some sort of experiment, someone getting out. It's it's as wild and strange as it would be a human, uh, an alien spaceship crashing and a being escaping, but... There, there is a lot there that I'm sure people would look and go chemicals, strange disease, you know, humanoid type figure, deformed. That's yeah. really, and that's fair. And and you could add to that the fact that the US supposedly notified them. Uh, you, you know, they they could have known that that craft was there because they were tracking it because they were doing an experiment. Um, you, you know, it's it's hard to go either way, especially without that footage and without those, those photos. That's part of the reason I hope that they come out so that we can kind of go, okay, this is definitely alien or, okay, this is more prosaic and it's more what Kit Green talks about with, you know, malformed children and and just really unique disabilities that just make them look very much like something other, you know, to to people Mm -hmm. that only get a glimpse. I think at this point it made me think of, because I've wrote the note down, I'm going to read it, that I'd love to see this as some sort of Netflix type series, a series of documentaries where where James could go and investigate with a budget of a Netflix behind him in a 70 to 80, 80, 90 minute format, famous events and pull the witnesses out, get maybe that more expensive CGI if if required and, and really concentrate and focus on nailing down these types of events, the witness testimony. I think you, you open up to that Netflix audience, which is massive, because yeah. let's be fair, that that audience of millions of Netflix users, even the ones who watch the UFO stuff, aren't necessarily going away and paying for this separately or hunting it out even separately. They they go to Netflix, and I just thought there'd be real benefit because I think James's style 
would work really well in that type of Netflix format, which has become very popular, and especially the true crime kind of genre, which is really taken off. Via That's literally kind of what platforms. I was thinking of. Like Unsolved yeah. Mysteries, you, you know, yeah. that show has had a few UFO episodes that have done really well, and people talk about them really often. Um, they put together compelling little snippets of cases, and yeah, I, th- I think James would really excel in that kind of format. Like like Marvel's kind of special presentations, instead mm-hmm. of saying it has to be a short TV show or a long movie, something in between that, that kind of yeah, not not quite feature length, but it just stays around as long as it needs to. And then especially with this case, because it's still developing, you know, later in the season, you could come back and add more evidence to it as it develops. I think that'd be a really cool series. Yeah, I could see a big audience for that, especially in the mainstream for folks who don't necessarily have that kind of UFO affiliation. And it's an easy one for someone to say, oh, I watched a documentary last night. Oh, yeah, but about an incident in Brazil and there was like a crash and there was aliens running about. And oh, where is it? Oh, it's on Netflix. I'll go and find it as opposed yeah. to, oh, yeah, I rented it on a streaming platform. I can send you the link for it. Now nah, you're okay. Because that's yeah, yeah, where exactly. that conversation probably goes for most people. And, and you and I are happy paying, you know, 20 quid to, to watch this. But unless you're really into the UFO subject, you're not going to do that. Yeah, 100%. And again, it's very easy. And this is something that people will send in question-wise. And always happens with James and, and others. But why don't you get it on Netflix? I'm sure James Fox would have loved Netflix to have paid him to pick this up and distribute it. It's just not as easy as that. Uh, so And... and- with places like netflix as well they can say you've got to do xyz you need to cut it down to this time you've got to take that out you've got to add this in you've got to you know when we probably would have had a bit more of the superfluous nonsense that we don't like having in our ufo documentaries so it's good that it's formed and if james wants to put it on streaming platforms now he can you know they they can pay him for it but i certainly know you know Stephen Greer has a bunch of documentaries on Netflix and I would prefer this on there, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it's finding that, that happy medium and that balance. Um, for me, I made a lot less notes on the latter part of the documentary and that's in no way, shape or form a slight, but just sort of watching and it was building a case for the the transportation of the beings, the yeah. what's kind of happened afterwards. It's very testimony-based and... Um, again more witness statements and testimony what what blew my mind was i forget the guy's name i think they called him military x in the film um the guy who supposedly drove the being around and that that apparently they've been building that relationship for 10 to 15 years trying to get him to give his testimony on camera so it's a it's a bit of a minor miracle that we even got to see the back of his head you know i'm sure there are people who know that guy that were like oh that's steven or whatever they they knew him instantly you know yeah, Stephen, the guy that drew the, drove the military, <laughs> uh, the UFO guy about the alien guy. Yeah, um, so yeah, uh, and it is difficult, and I, I'm going to get to to that as part of this general discussion to kind of finish off before we go into thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of rumors just now about a video that may come out about 35 seconds long. Um, you know, sources say, uh, and it is just rumors so at this moment. <laughs> I got text about a week ago by someone from brazil telling me that there was there was a video doing the rounds and that it might come out before it started going heavier online but i don't like to do the whole oh i've heard and rumors nonsense because you just look stupid otherwise so i was oh well that'll be great if it did um and very quickly i think the day after two days after people started talking about it more and more um if there are videos floating about of any kind of medical procedure or rumour being it's a doctor that performed the autopsy on the being, um, rumour to be about 35 seconds long, that is massive. I will just say, and you've seen this as well, Dan, there is a picture floating around online of like a being with a net over it. That's from like a documentary or a TV show. That was very quickly. If you jump, if you see a picture or video, folks, that you think, wow, that looks incredible, just jump in the thread and normally, very quickly, you'll see someone is put, no, actually, it's from this, or it's from this TV show, it was a prop from this, and you can very quickly clear that up. So, And, and always do a reverse image search on stuff as well, like ti- Tiny Eye, uh, Google reverse image search. You know, you can just give it the image and say, when was the first time this appeared online? And very often, just go back to the earliest one, and you'll see exactly where it came from. Yeah, so the picture's not correct, and I would say look out for people like James Fox presenting pictures and videos of anything to do with this first because it's likely that's going to be at least a clarification from him, especially with James putting up $200,000 
someone said that that was a small amount they they during james did a reddit ask me anything and during yeah. that someone said why have you only offered 200k that's a small amount for and in a way i get what they're saying because you know if this is what we think it is then it's worth millions um but at the same time no one knows how much money james has on hand he, you know like this guy was looking up like what james's net worth was on google and comparing it and kind of saying well, he's worth seven million according to google and i just thought that's that's not fair you you know we we have so many people out there trying to get this and doing their best that that i think it's fair that we cut people some slack <laughs> yeah two things i'm sure james's wife would argue two hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money for a start um and i would secondly argue that it'll really again still depend on the strength of the footage because you're you're going to be thinking about something that was vhs 1996 camcorder style and even if it's a good camcorder there's still going to be some degradation of the quality of the footage um but even if it is clear it's still how how do you prove that is 100 genuine still so there's still going to be people unhappy with it so this isn't a government coming out and saying here is genuine footage this is still someone handing over him a videotape that's 26 years old and saying yeah this is this is the real footage it'll be analyzed it'll be confirmed yes it's true but it still only will add i think it'll have a lot of weight but it's still not going to be i don't think it's going to lead to nine o'clock news like we've said before dan on the bbc like you know ufo real genuine ufo footage it'll be still the end of a piece or it'll be some online stuff it'll be interesting i think the best we could hope for it in terms of a follow-up are like the new york times potentially doing an article on it as well if that's going to be through leslie kane ralph blumenthal helene cooper or or others but yeah two hundred thousand dollars i think is a lot of money anyway for a a lot of money piece of footage i i I think the paris hilton got less for you know the leak tapes that she kind of put out never seen or heard of those no idea what you're talking about uh speaking of no 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 um we see carlos de souza uh describing a sort of men in black incident towards the end as well uh, and this can again bringing it round to this modern day and some of the conversations people are having now like a men in black type incident uh people come to him they there's an intimidation oh are you carlos de souza yep your daughter is yep uh, and you're yep and you work here yep and they basically lay out his life and then you know you recently saw something just to say you saw nothing and you know he who are you and doesn't matter who we are you know you saw nothing and there is that intimidation tactic laying out in front of you that yeah we know your family we know who you are you don't need to talk about this you shouldn't talk about this you need to make this go away or yourself need to go away and it just again brought up the idea and, and, and Gary Nolan and others have mentioned this on the podcast and other interviews they've done recently. It's not as easy as people who want to be whistleblowers or break NDAs or come forward and discuss things in Congress, even if they are granted immunity, because there's still a whole lot of, of, of bullshit, I'm sure, goes on in the background and intimidation and we want someone to come out and say, yeah, I worked on a crash retrieval program. Chris Mellon, literally days ago, in an interview with a, a German show, um, talked about how someone apparently was meant to come and meet him to discuss a crash retrieval program they were working on and unfortunately died of a heart attack. You can go any way you want with that. You know, yeah, it was deliberate, fuels, it was brought it? on. Maybe they did just die of a heart attack, but it was enough for Chris Mellon to bring that up. And people have families people have lives people have careers and i'm sure there are people in the military now or in government working their way up who could come forward and provide information but as much as they would maybe like to they do value their career and their position and they are happy carrying on with that and keeping what they've got to themselves until such time the conversation opens up in a different way and i think that's that's got to be seen as fair yeah i mean any anyone that goes through you know, being a member of the military or a politician, they they know the game that they're stepping into, right? Like there's national security risks, there's considerations for their families, and they, they've got to kind of, they're dedicated to doing what's right for the United States of America or the world, mm-hmm. like if we're talking a bigger program. So if there are reasons for, for the secrecy that we're not aware of, that they are, it's completely understandable that they, you know, clutch those pearls and kind of keep it close to their chest. Once a few people start coming out, I think more people will start talking. But getting those initial people to start talking is really tough because, like you said, the it's great that Congress are passing this legislation, but any reach of any group who's been looking at this for 70-odd years and maybe, like in the case you just described, cause a heart attack, 
we we've got to kind of assume that their reach is further, that they have more resources, that they're doing all of what they're doing under the radar and therefore don't need to stick to, you know, the rules and the red tape that, that maybe politicians do. And that's a little bit scary to think about. You, you know, like you, you could feel completely secure being a complete safe house and still there's a knock at the door and there's someone in a suit saying, hi, Carlos, you, you know, this is your address. These are your kids. This is your wife, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, well, I mean, what would you do? You, you'd certainly wish that you never said anything, right? Hundred percent, yeah, uh, and I get that's why he was asked James Fox on the AMA, and I think it was a bit of an obvious a- answer anyway. But why do you think the the person, I believe it's a, a gentleman who hasn't come forward with the video, hasn't done so in twenty six years? And he said, "I don't know, probably fear." And yeah, that's hundred percent understandable. And on a similar vein, because this is something James Fox has talked about in the past. Um, you, you're aware of the video from the guy Chuck out in Nevada, Chuck Clark. Yeah, yeah, who, who's got the apparently we've, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but a video which apparently shows two two guys, young guys, I believe, who were out driving, who essentially filmed an alien craft right above their car and for those who have seen it will say it's the most amazing footage you could imagine you know they're in the car scrambling about vhs this thing was literally over the top of their car they get out and they film it um james fox said that this has been shown by chuck to people recently yeah so he still has it and other people are seeing it and i wonder is that going to be something that potentially comes out in briefings and because people at chris mellon will be well aware that video exists yeah and i would imagine would say to people in congress who really do have an interest in this topic you know right now there are a couple of videos out there chuck clark's of the alleged ufo right above the car and i mean close enough i believe you can see inscriptions and and you know detail on the the ufo yeah structured craft it was described as yeah clearly right and I, Chris Mellon again would be saying to people on on the hill and such, you know, there's another video of uh, a being with an autopsy in Brazil that's only 26 years old that again we could uh, we could get a hold of. So I'm sure if all of this stuff is happening in the background, there there will be pressure from from different fronts to get a hold of that type of footage because all of that is is huge, absolutely massive. Um, I think they they would still both stop short of being smoking gun footage because there's still that question of is it real, is it genuine, what is it actually showing? Um, but I think people like us really, really, really want to see those those videos and that footage as well. Yeah, and and it's the kind of thing that I would love to you know the reports do in a few days the UAP report. It would be amazing if just for a paragraph they were like oh yeah we've got the chuck clark footage we've looked at it. oh yeah we've got the virginia footage we've looked at it you, you know and they're just going through these things systematically and actually looking at all the available evidence um i i feel like the chuck clark stuff will come out one day uh that it's kind of teetering isn't it but that's a similar deal it's a maybe a fifth or sixth generation copy on vhs and even in the freeze frames which i'll i'll get and i'll pop up on, on the video and you know we can link them in the show notes um you can see like the snow over the screen kind of blocking some some of the craft and it's literally just degradation of the, of the material and there's nothing you can really do about it right yeah it's and i imagine even if and when it does come out in full people like myself are going to watch it and go oh it's great but for f- and be frustrated at something either where it cuts off or the lack of detail in one little bit and yeah but I think that's just the the beauty and the frustration of this, this subject all round. But bringing it back to finish off, Dan, um, I, I wanted to know any overall thoughts or anything else around the moment of contact piece you want to bring up and just kind of finishing off. Uh, just, you know, I think James told a really concise story, he introduced the world to this really compelling new case. For me, I wish there was a little more news footage from the time, uh, you, you know, maybe okay. that that claim at the beginning where the US notified Brazil that something was incoming, just a little more proof around there because that was a part of the story that I was like, okay, that would have been cool if there's paperwork or you know more than testimony to yeah, kind so of pin it that wasn't down. Just, it wasn't just me, but that came up and then wasn't really addressed. Yeah, so yeah, so I, I assume like, uh. they saw something that convinced them really you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt of that, but it would have been nice to see that too. Uh, Peter Coyote, I mean, what can you say? He he does wonderful voiceovers and <laughs> he he, uh, he he's outstanding as well. Says a lot of things that you know uh, he says allegedly, maybe possibly a lot. So this is very much like I say, different to the phenomena in that it's not about the developments that have happened over the past few years. It's investigating a case. Uh, the whole thing proves to me that something took place. That there seems to be U.S. involvement, but I would just like a little bit more evidence around that and and 
I think your example earlier of if this was a TV show, I think it would have been a, maybe a bit of a better format for for an ongoing investigation. Yeah, I'll add. Um, I'm going to get to a worry I had, and I told you this at the time before it even came out. Um, and when we first got the copy, and how I feel about that now. But my overall thoughts, um, really enjoyed it. I think it's a great piece. I think we've been very fortunate this year to have the aerial phenomenon documentary and this come out, which. I think you can see this one definitely had a bigger budget and there was maybe it was more polished. It was dealing with something that was a little, not necessarily more recent, was it? But they managed to get a lot more footage from now as opposed to a lot of historical type footage, which actually, to be fair, you said you would like to see a little bit more of that, wouldn't you? So I really enjoyed it. I think people are going to enjoy it. And to tie in my worry, I said to you a few months ago that People have huge expectations after the phenomenon and they're going to expect this to be the phenomenon too. And it's not going to be. And even though James had said as much that it was a smaller scale, it was a, you know, it was taking a magnifying glass over a real particular case and event. And that's not everyone's cup of tea. I don't think this is a documentary in the top three or four, even you're going to show to people who want an introduction to the UFO phenomenon like the phenomenon is now the kind of staple as we would say for people like us to show um however i think it's one of those that once people get into it and they maybe go wanting to get past roswell you could definitely go i would watch this if i was you because this is really interesting and listen listen to the witnesses listen to the people i think once people have got past that okay something's definitely happening here in terms of you know there being a ufo phenomenon that they'll enjoy this and i think there's a lot to get out of it and I think that the beauty being, we keep hearing that literally as we record this and, and the days following, there should be more comes out. And it seems to be a lot of people are picking that up. And whether that's a little bit of the hype train, I don't know. But we're hearing about, like you say, potential New York Times article, potential 35 second video of of a being being autopsied. And who knows what else? Maybe briefings are happening behind closed doors we're hearing as well on the Hill and, and other places about it too. And I would imagine... And I would hope as well that, um, is it one of the investigators or researchers, Pacacini is his surname? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, AJ Javard, Ronnie Vernet, and other UFO researchers in Brazil get their credit on this too and can pick up and, and come out and speak about it. And that's why I'm really keen to have AJ on the show because they have done the work on this for, for decades as well. So they they deserve their, their credit and you know time to step into the spotlight too and, and talk about the UFO subject to, to an audience that maybe is focused primarily on on US-based events in the past. So um, it's I think it's good timing and I hope to get more of them coming forward too, which is great. Um, but my worry was that people were going to be disappointed by default that it wasn't the phenomenon that it was too specific there wasn't enough footage or smoking gun footage and it was more of the same in terms of the aerial phenomenon doc where there was nothing new but just a very well presented case of something that happened um and i'm pleasantly surprised that the the reaction online has been overwhelmingly positive well, yeah, that's too. just the, the cleanliness of my Twitter timeline these days. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I've only really seen positive reviews and people really, really enjoying it. Even even looking on Rotten Tomatoes, I could only find one one review that was damning. And, and the points the guy was making are a lot of what we're talking about here. He was just being a lot more negative about them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you say, it's not the phenomenon too. It was never going to be. This is kind of, you know, that was for us. This one's for James. And, and it would be really cool kind of seeing as he goes forward if he kind of keeps that up you know if he does a general overview and then he dives into a case and kind of builds this body of evidence it's really good to kind of show people that there are cases that you can go and investigate like this that you know don't have a bow on them and the conclusions haven't been made and there is work to do similar to the stuff we did in Colombia you know this stuff is everywhere not just South America so we've all got these production devices in our pockets now you know you can go film with the latest iphone and just kind of start putting together some really good documentaries on this stuff and it's perfect timing as well because you know the us is taking it seriously the world is kind of watching so if you have a local case that you think is is compelling like go make a documentary about it you know it doesn't have to be an hour and a half long it could be 40 minutes but just start telling the world about the case yep it'd be a tiktok documentary there's a yeah. there's a you know <laughs> there's a audience there for that these days I hate TikTok, you know that. Um, just some <laughs> some reviews people left on Twitter when I asked about how they how they felt immediately the kind of day of release and day after. Um, Terry said just finished and loved it. Brennan excited to watch it. Uh, Toby 
just said, I've just seen it on the big screen. There is so much compelling and emotive testimony that builds a strong picture of what I'm now sure was a bizarre UFO crash, military recovery, a search by another UFO, and capture of live beings in Brazil with US involvement. Everyone should watch. To which David replied, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> Did David <laughs> elaborate? Nope, that was it. Uh, Toby then politely replied. <laughs> At least okay, he was polite. <laughs> okay, okay then. Um, so yeah, there you go. Um, Trevor had it queued up and ready to buy. Jean-Francois Charlebois had just bought it on uh, iTunes. Uh, he said he was going to watch it now, and he followed up with, not as strong as the phenomenon. The best moment for him was when Carlos de Souza was running to the crash site, repeating, it's here, it's here. A true emotion in the moment they captured, and that's what we talked yeah. about that. And the movie ends leaving so many questions, an unfinished story, which I think are, are very fair points, and, uh, yeah, and yeah. pretty much uh, along with what we've said. Um, you you almost could have had like a big title card at the end with to be continued you right yes dot 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 question mark yeah <laughs> the old school um dr david holzmer loved that as well one of the most emotional ufo docs i've seen so far lots of heart um scott fisher just watched it from itunes in australia oh my god what an amazing documentary and guaranteed to stoke the disclosure fires even more um john roberts put getting to the point i don't even think the objects being seen know what they are so yeah or, or we even know what they are. So a lot of interesting points there from folks, all very fair. The, the reviews have been really positive. I, th- I think if you've seen it, people at James Fox one want you to go and pick up a copy and leave feedback, but like get on Rotten Tomatoes, get on iTunes and leave a rating and review and let them know what you think because that, that all helps with algorithms. And we always talk about it in terms of YouTube and Twitter and things like that as well for the podcast. But yeah, leave your creators and stuff reviews because it really does help and a lot of bits of feedback like that. Yeah, too. yeah. It's it's essentially their job, right? Like it's just giving feedback that they're doing their job well, and and it helps propagate it kind of out there. And like you said earlier, people will go and search for like UFO documentaries. So if you leave a good review, this will pop up near the top. Uh, I wanted to ask you just just kind of I feel like we're wrapping now. Uh, what what did you think about the section with Eric Lopez? You know, where he he was threatening to shoot them and get off his property. I had shared um, that clip months ago. That was mm. the one by mistake. Remember, James sent me it. That's and I was right. asking for something to share on the podcast. So it's on the YouTube, right? Like yeah, that clip is somewhere I, on YouTube. I, yeah, I didn't realize I wasn't meant to share that. And it was a misunderstanding between myself and James. I'm not a guy who goes for clickbait and, you know, sensationalism. So, um, yeah, I don't know how much of that is dramatic license. Um, you know, it, it was kind of dramatic. No one likes having, you know, threats of being shot at them. But I get, I get the emotion behind it. Is there something that you're expecting me to say on that? Did you have? No, some I was just curious. It? No. It's just one no, of those no, points cool. that I feel like a lot of people will kind of be like, they didn't talk about that, and and it's kind of the, the big moment of the film, isn't it, where they finally find this guy who's supposedly been in hiding, and he threatens to shoot them, and they they ask him if he's ever gonna uh, come out with his testimony, and and he doesn't really answer. He just kind of threatens to yeah shoot them or get out my property. It would be really nice if we could decisively see whether he had something to say or whether he's just been annoyed by being hounded by people. Yeah. Maybe that's that something is, we can ask AJ. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, and you wonder, do people like AJ maybe have conversations because they're based more locally and, and things yeah. like that and off the record, you know, and privately. So yeah, yeah, good shout. Um, I think I would have had more. Do you know what it is? I think given what's happened in recent days or the last week since the release and the rumors of what's potentially to come, it's made it feel like this was part one and it's like okay rather than it being a complete piece like like some of the listeners said that that, and you mentioned there that to be continued it's like okay we're waiting on the next part now and that wouldn't have been the case a few weeks ago yeah that's true it's very much like since this has come out and yeah like like and you've already alluded to it. Is that just the marketing machine or is there more to come or, and, and I guess we'll, we'll see, but as it stands, you know, comparing it to something like uh, a tear in the sky, which again was very much, you know, they didn't present all of their results in there. That was kind of like more is coming. Uh, I, I feel like this fared a lot better in terms of the presentation of the case. And it was a lot more honest in terms of, you know, James saying, I don't know if something happened, but something sure seems to have gone on and, and we're investigating it, you know? And to be fair on that, I would love to say that, I would have liked to have seen James Fox direct and present a tear in the sky with those guys yes. and girls. Yeah. <laughs> That's not necessarily the UEPX crew's fault, as we said at the time, for anyone who hasn't heard the a tear in the sky review. Um, but yeah, out of 10 flying saucers for you, Dan? 
Uh, I would give this, I would say, seven and a half to eight. I feel like I might get Okay, you went, you, went slightly, you went slightly more. Yeah, I, I think seven, a high seven um, is, is, yeah, very fair and a very strong, highly recommended um, that you go and seek this one out. I don't think you are in any way, shape or form wasting your cash. Yeah, uh, for sure. If, if you do buy it, you know, um, our guarantee is Dan will refund you if you have not fully enjoyed the... <laughs> in, in stickers and art <laughs> and yeah, hugs. And even then, yeah, hugs. Yeah, hugs is preferred <laughs> currency. Um, if you want to purchase it, the links are in the description, but it is um, genie, G-E-N-I dot U-S forward slash moment of contact. Or for those who like the, the U-S accent, I can do G-E-N-I dot U-S forward slash moment of contact. When, so, when are you and yeah. Ross Coltard going to have a, a Tom DeLonge impression off? Uh, maybe one day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> dude, I've actually very, very. Oh God, this is a bad thing to finish on because it's not related in the slightest. But I've been, I said to you, plodding through the Secret Machines um, audiobook. Sure. And uh, the narrator. Do you know his name off by heart? Uh, I don't know. I love some of his attempts at different voices. Um, <laughs> yeah, some of them bottling on on PC, but it's. <laughs> Yeah, it was really surprising, and I was like, "Oh God, I wasn't expecting that when I when I heard it." Um, I don't think so, I yeah. heard the audio book. I'll have I'll have to go back and listen to it. Yeah, I'll I'll send That's you so the, the rough rough timestamp. Yeah, cool. <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh, go and check that one out, folks, as well. But yes, thank you very much, Dan. Thanks for joining me. You're you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And just before we go, so do you decisively think that there were the creatures, uh, ET creatures in Brazil? Uh, I think there were non-human creatures. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, folks. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet, and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue.
That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more.